Welcome to So What Sustainability, podcast series by Apricot Consulting. I'm your host, James McHugh, one of the leaders in the corporate social impact team at Apricot Consulting. In this series, we explore leading trends and provide practical advice about environmental, social and governance issues and opportunities facing businesses and society. For our last episode of 2022, I'm joined today by Jared Inglesoll. Uh, today, we want to talk about emphasising impact over governance in ESG. Jared Inglesoll is a climate action strategist and advisor at Climate Salad. He's a mentor and advisor for climate technology startups, and he sits on the board of Symbols of Hope, which is a registered tra- charity for the Pure Foundation. He's also involved with Devs for Climate Action. Jared, you've got plenty on your plate. Thank you for joining us. Ah, absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you for asking me. Jared, what do you think we mean by talking about impact over governance? Um, I think that um, that we're all very much caught up in this time of transition and we're in this space where traditional technologies and industries are having to shift and transition to uh, tackle um, climate change and the very real challenges that are going there, as well as the opportunities that that time presents. And the the cool thing about governance and the G of ESG is that it's, it's it's a metrics that it's the easiest one for everybody to understand. Um, if you're not a good business, you don't get insurance, uh, you can't raise funds, you know, you can check boxes, you've got all these different governance frameworks. And sometimes in um, in that space and the complexity of just focusing on, on um, is my house in order, uh, which framework should I use? It's easy to sort of lose focus on what impact it is that you're actually trying to deliver. And there's a there's a really healthy tension between those two things. I think we do need to have good governance, and we need better governments, especially uh, things in the complexity of scope threes and all that sort of stuff. But it's important to always um, stay aligned to your values and the impact that you want, because that's the stuff that gives you the momentum to keep going when you're facing challenges. Yeah, really good. I think it's about governance uh, supporting the impact, or, you know, the impact being what's most important there. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in today's episode. Um, but, Jared, you've got a pretty extensive history working in sustainability roles. Uh, maybe tell us a little bit about your journey in ESG. Um, well, I, uh, I started life as a cook. I wanted to be a chef and that was all I was focused on. When I was growing up, I grew up in New Zealand and I learned, um, had a, always had a, a respectful position for the environment. Like I like being out in nature in the bush. Um, as I progressed my time as a cook, I sort of was more interested in where food came from rather than what the latest trends were. And that led me to build relationships with farmers and then fell into the space of food systems. And over the years, yeah, I did pretty well cooking. I can still cook pretty well. But um, had a bunch of restaurants at one stage, traveled the world, wrote a few books, had a lot of success in the food space. But then I realized in that journey that um, the challenge is not creating um, uh, a high-profile dish or restaurant. The challenge is changing the systems that sits behind how we feed ourselves. And then I embarked on... Um, yeah, you know, I spent a lot of time doing a lot of work for NGOs and not for profits. Um, you know, 
charitable organisations that were taking on climate change, I then was able to transition to um, uh, my belief in making the world a better place through changing systems into working with lots of different organisations and, and the jobs in the briefs basically just got bigger and more complex. Yeah. Sort of off weird things would pop up, you know, like the doing the procurement strategy for um, you know large retail banks on how they feed their populations and then having placing a sustainable lens on that, working on design briefs for precinct planning so that sustainability was incorporated at the forefront of their design processes rather than, oh, well, let's just make sure we've got the right bins in the right place. And then over the years, the, I've always been really um, quite focused on wanting to position my play, myself in the place where I'm able to deliver the most impact. And so my career path has been, uh, you know, it looks a little weird on paper or possibly on my LinkedIn profile as well, but it's always, you know, but it's always led me to what are the challenges and what are the opportunities and what is the lever? Is, you know, can we pull this lever? And, um, and if we do achieve success in changing or transitioning or creating new change, what are the positive um, long tail impacts that can come from it? So, Jared, ESG can mean many different things to different audiences. Do you think this makes it difficult for business leaders to understand opportunities for ESG? I think it's it's becoming a, a lot easier because the demand from investors and customers is growing, so it's forcing um, leadership to to pay more attention to it. Um, it doesn't necessarily cut through the complexity, but it, it's it's you know as companies go well, you know, I I need to take this seriously now. Um, they are applying resourcing to this to that space. Like I still see that ESG roles are the tend to be the big borough and steel team where they were like you know there's there's not many companies that um you know, you, you, you your big companies have dedicated resources there that are doing you know huge jobs and making do with you know maybe smaller teams than what they would like um small medium enterprises get it but don't have the resourcing to apply to it so on one side i think um the pressures are causing people to either create solutions or get well-versed in the subject. But there still remains a little bit of complexity in it. And um, you know, I mentioned you know, you know, just on the subject of, of governance, the reason why that's elevated as um, the product that is being developed to answer your problems, like you know, all these carbon calculators and, and um, different sort of solutions that are coming out is because it's, it's almost easy to talk about risk, financial exposure, um, you know, all those sort of spreadsheet-based analytics. And I see that the whole, the E and the S, the environment and the social stuff is still re relying on our values. Mm -hmm. um, and, the, and, and I want to be careful, like I don't see one as being more important than the other, but the other, the, the, you know, the environment and sustainability stuff is more values-led and the, the governance picks in. So when you're in this sort of thing where you need to be able to tick all the boxes and do disclosures and all that sort of stuff, 
we're still second guessing am I right making the right decision as an individual, as a leader? Because, um, you know, what happens if I make the wrong decision? You know, how do we report that? Or how do I invest in things that you may not be able to report on, but you just know it's good? Like, you know, so uh, I, that wasn't, there wasn't a direct answer. I think it's getting, it's definitely getting easier as it becomes more of a requirement but it doesn't necessarily make it simpler. Yeah. And I think it's that, yeah, it's the complexity that it, it leads on to my next question quite, quite nicely, because we do need to be conscious of any unintended negative consequences with our, with our actions. Um, using systems change thinking and theory of change models help us to understand where an action's impact might lead but do you have any concerns with how some companies might be engaging with ESG and where it might ultimately lead us to yeah I think there's there's a there's a lot of things to be concerned about um and it's one of those situations where it, was, it leads us into the space of greenwashing mm-hmm. and or sort of making claims that um you know, that that come with unintended consequences, or if you're just using carbon offsets to cover up your sins. Um, I do think that there needs to be a greater level of um, transparency. And I think that the transparency can come from um, greater sort of engagement with your customers and with your investors and, and sort of demystifying some of the sort of, yeah, some of the, the, the weird sort of stuff like, you know, what, exactly what is a carbon credit? You know, it's a ton of what it's a thing that we all know it's carbon's bad as it increases but like what does it actually mean to a person um there are also we're going through a time where um you know even here things such as the accus and the way that we create these products um if they are done just uh for you know to take advantage of the land grab that is now like you know create as many carbon projects as you can because that way it's going to generate huge returns and it's done to the detriment of the environment. That's where I think things get, can get really shaky. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I've heard of examples of, you know, for example, clearing old-growth old forest to plant faster-growing species to generate um, you know, carbon offsets that you can then sell on the market. Like, yes, it's going, it's good return for the investor, but it's it's a bad result for everybody else. Like, you know, no one really gains from that apart from, apart from a bunch of people. And it's it's easy for investors and companies to sort of stumble down that road quite naively in terms of supporting those types of initiatives. So, so Jared, have you got any advice maybe for our listeners and what they what they should be looking out for when they are developing those their ESG strategies and they're engaging with some of those ESG uh, related initiatives. Um, I think that especially if you're starting out and you and like you're starting from a place of awareness but not much uh, knowledge, is I always recommend that people just make sure you just stick to your values. Like or stick to the culture of what it is that your um, that your organisation represents. Um, what's important to your team? What's important to leadership? What's important to your customers? Um, and that's that's a really and what I mean by that is if, for example, you're a tech company 
then um, there's some really good opportunities in learning more about things such as you know how energy generation transition to you know transitioning your data from um, to, to servers that are powered by renewables. There's a bunch of there's heaps of complexity in it. If you're a business that is perhaps um, into manufacturing or you've got a much more direct impact to the, the physical world, then things such with, with greater, uh, yeah, things that have biodiversity stories to them. Um, and if you want to support, maybe you've got a wrap, maybe you're wanting to elevate your knowledge and your impact in, uh, with First Nations peoples, then start looking at things around that are being led by First Nations groups and that focus on uh, biodiversity protection rather than just you know, replanting. So it, while you're doing that, you're, you know, make sure that there's the, the products that you're, or, or the solutions that you're looking at are compliant and, and there's a bunch of, you know, I don't want to go into all the different complexity there, but you know, that they're compliant. But if you're clear on what your value proposition or what, story you're trying to create that as your first pass that helps you cut away a lot of the noise that's out there um and it gives you less to focus on and learn about and i think it's really important that you're clear about why you're doing this um at the end of the day we need to decarbonize our economy um if leadership has the view or if you're the owner and you've got the view well I'm just going to sell as I'm not. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to sell as much as I can for as long as I can. You're not really being part of the solution, but understand that 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 mindset has got a finite timeline. Like you're, you're just not going to be around if that is the way you're thinking. If your view is that you um, want to create intergenerational changes and take as many people on the journey with you, um, then that brings you to your human place. Um, and that's a really great way to start conversations with people who don't know much about ESG. Like it's easy to talk to the um, your teams and leadership positions um, if if you give them the you know we're doing this because and for peace of mind something like four to five percent of Australians are climate deniers. Um, I, I sometimes refer to them as the the, the vegan at a barbecue. I'm not discrediting their existence. <laughs> They've got a right to be there, but um, it's the noisier than what you think. There are more people on your side. And so it's just the case of getting really, really clear about the why and the and the path that you want to go down to go down to to support your ESG strategy. You've got an extensive background in sustainability, Jared. As recently you were the head of sustainability at Canva. Perhaps to finish this off today. What are some of the key learnings you can share with our listeners? Um, that was a beautiful job, and I was really proud of all the work that I did there. But is, is Canva is um, very much a values-driven company, mm. um, and a, a lot of resources and time and focus goes into um, the success of Canva while building out the culture of Canva, and. When I was doing the work at Canva, what the the piece that became elevated uh, time and time again was that a SaaS company's impact is it, we're not flying planes or you know we're not making car tires. So 
it was, uh, I would suggest, slightly easier than other industries to decarbonize. Um, but what came up time and time again was the opportunity for leadership and telling beautiful stories really, really well, aligned really well with what Canva does, which is, you know, they're a design platform that helps people create beautiful stories. So I put a lot of time into focusing on what is the, um, what is the story that we want to share with people. And in that journey, um, we developed um, our beyond net zero vision. So getting us to zero was not uh, considered the end goal. It was considered our starting point. Mm. And the way that we sort of framed the strategy and all the bits and pieces that sat underneath that beyond net zero vision was um, to be really careful about how we engage with our stakeholders, our customers, our teams, our people. Um, we didn't want to be paralyzed uh, with perfection. We didn't want to be in a position where we're going, um, there's this big goal and we're going to, you know, and, and have it stalled because no one knew exactly how we were going to get there. It was about like, well, let's just start the dialogue. Let's start the journey with as many people as possible. And we did some pretty amazing work in that process. Like, you know, the time we were there, planted you know, probably close to three and a half million trees. Um, we did some fantastic work with our data, fantastic work with our energy procurement. Um, but the one thing that I'd probably just finish on is that the challenges that I had in working inside an organization as big as Canva were the same as, mm. you know, it, not too dissimilar from the local cafe or the office of 35 people in Melbourne or the, you know, the small manufacturing facility out in, in rural Australia. It's, it, it all starts with, you know, do I have alignment with leadership? Mm. Um, make sure that you share the challenges and don't just celebrate the, um, the wins because there will be way more challenges than wins. Um, create indirect um, support for yourself, like build a community around you. Mm. And um, you, know, um, you can spend a lot of time trying to get the CEO of an organization to sign off or, on something, or you create sustainability clubs or newsletters, or you know, there's lots of different things. So you get more and more people aware and, and get more people engaged in the conversation. So you're not just representing a, a position from your from from your desk. You're actually going, we think this will be good for us. The community is you start to use you know community words. Um and there was another one that just slipped out of my head. And um and and the other thing, just like on a personal note to the individuals that are taking this journey for the first uh, first time is that um you do need to be resilient. You know, whatever whatever strategy you put forward, chances are most of it will get knocked back. Yeah. Um, rather, you're not going to get the whole lot endorsed. Um, so always play the long game. Um, stealing a phrase from a mate of mine, I would always look for the gateway drugs. Mm. So I'm not going to get that big thing done until I get like a few other people on board. And how do I do that? Let's, you know, let's do a, a night with some sustainable beers and get someone in for a chat. Yeah, just yeah. Don't underestimate building the community around you, and don't put all your hopes on that one goal. There's so much to unpack in that, and we are short on time. So I do thank you for for sharing, Jared. A couple of my takeaways. Uh, what's you know, think about what story you're trying to create. 
and allow that to help you focus your your energy and your investment. Um, don't leave your stakeholders behind. You know, take them along the journey. And I think the that's a huge of, one. Yeah, and 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 part of that is sharing the challenges, sharing where we're we're having some troubles, and and allowing them to be able to play a role in helping you you know, progress through those. Um, and I think the last one, which I really liked, and you emphasised again at the end there, uh, don't underestimate the uh, importance of building a supportive community to help drive drive change. Um, so those are my three takeaways for today. So thank you. Well, thank you for joining me today, Jared. To our listeners, be sure to check out Jared on LinkedIn for more information. If you want more information about Apricot Consulting, please visit us at our website and subscribe to this podcast series. You can also follow me, James McHugh, on LinkedIn. Thanks for joining us today on So What Sustainability. Sustainability.